On today's show, I will be grading the New York Mets trade deadline assets this offseason. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans who are listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, excited about the topic, I'm grading all of the Mets' different trade assets. In the first segment, we're going to look at the guys who... Most likely won't be moved the untouchables on the MLB roster. And guys who just can't be traded because other teams won't want them. And we'll also get into Pete Alonzo and another interesting trade candidate. Then in the second segment, I'll really explain my tier system, which is how I'm grading the different trade assets the Mets have and might move this offseason. And we'll begin after I explain the tier system, looking at the candidates on the MLB roster. Then in the final segment, we'll look at the real trade deadline capital breaking down the prospects and what tier each of them fall into and who the Mets should absolutely not deal in any trade. Before we get to any of that, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. I'll also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, I thought it'd be a fun show today to look at the Mets' trade assets as we head into the offseason and give them grades. Who's not going to be traded? Who could be dealt even though it's unlikely. And then of the players who really could be on the move, the Mets are trying to address their roster via the trade market. Who's the most valuable trade ship that the Mets have? And how can they put together a package that could you know, appeal to teams? Let's just say maybe, I don't know, the Padres for Juan Soto. So we're going to get to all of that. In the first segment, though, let's just look at the guys that probably aren't moving. So who are the building blocks of the New York Mets right now? Francisco Lindor has the contract that tells you he's a building block, as does Brandon Nimmo and Edwin Diaz. Kodai Senga, a building block currently. He does have an opt-out potentially after year three, but for now, he's on a five-year deal heading into year two of it. He can be considered a building block, as is Francisco Alvarez at this point. I think he is the starting catcher of the New York Mets. So those uh, five guys are your current building blocks. With that said, there's still Pete Alonso, who could be a building block, but he's set to hit free agency after this season. So there is still something there where we can't just call him a clear building block. I want to get into his trade value in a second here. First, though, let's just get to the list of guys who won't be traded this offseason. Stalling Marte, that contract has become uh, more of an albatross than a help. Teams are not going to be willing to take him on unless the Mets eat a considerable amount of money or give up prospects with him. At this point, you're better off just seeing if he can bounce back next season. Jose Quintana provides too much value in an area that the Mets need. At the deadline, yes, there could be trade value if the Mets aren't in the mix. But for now, he's staying put. Omar Narvaez, um, assuming he opts into that player option, doesn't have a ton of trade value, and the Mets need a backup catcher. They kill stay put. And then the bullpen arms, you're not going to get much by putting Drew Smith on the trade market. Okay, That's not going to do much for you. Uh, Colin Holderman got the Daniel Vogel back the deadline in 2022, but 
we're just going to table all bullpen arms. So now we get back to the Pete Alonso conversation. What type of a Pete Alonso trade makes sense? He's a tier one asset. I'm going to get into my tier system in the next segment about how I'm grading these assets, but you know, he is as good of a player as could be had in a trade, but what trade makes sense If the Mets are still trying to win in 2024. I really don't know what trade really would appetize them at the deadline. If they were out of it again, different conversation, maybe he is flipped to get some prospects, but right now, unless you're trading for another big name, I don't think it makes sense. And even then, which of those trades work? You're going to trade Pete Alonso for Corbin Burns. I don't know necessarily why either team would want to do that to lose Burns. If the Brewers are going for it, that's going to hurt them too much. And also what's Alonso and expiring doing for them you know, on that last year. There's a fun Pete Alonso for Tyler glass. Now trade that sends Alonso back to the Rays, and the race had to send more on top of it uh, as far as prospects, but that's never going to happen. There is a pie in the sky, Pete Alonso wants Soto thing, but I think I'll get to that at a later date. And probably if I'm talking to my boy, Javi Reyes with locked on Padres, bottom line, I don't see it happening. So then we get to the last guy who I think has some real trade value that I actually could see moved. He's my under the radar trade asset. And that's Jeff McNeil on a four year, $50 million contract. He just made 6.25 million in year one. There's $41.75 million over the next three years. The AAV on the contract for luxury tax teams is $12.5 million, so he could fit on any contending team. Now, he has a $2 million buyout on a $15.75 million option uh, for an additional year, which is what gets that number up to the $50 million guarantee that he got. But if you look at it overall, again, next three years, a guy that's going to be getting paid you know, less than what is that if you break that down? Less than 14? Yeah, a little bit less than $14 million per season for a team that would acquire him. That's a value contract still. I know he had a down year, but I think there's teams that would sign up for a guy that won a batting title a year ago, who's a career 298 hitter, who can play pretty much every position on the field. No one's going to start him at shortstop or at center field, but a guy that can play left, right, and second really well can play third base in a pinch. And again, in rare circumstances, you can throw him out in center. You can throw him at short, throw him at first base. He did that this past season. I think there's a lot of value for Jeff McNeil. And it's not to say that you're going to, uh, you know, get some in- incredible return. You're not getting Juan Soto with Jeff McNeil, but actually that's a great example. In a Juan Soto trade, Jeff McNeil would hold some value to a team like the Padres. That's still trying to win. Who's trying to cut some salary. They might have too many guys like it with Jay Cronenworth and Sung Kim. But the point being, you could move Jeff McNeil and get something pretty surprising. Like You could move Jeff McNeil and get that starting pitcher in your rotation. He's not going to be the, the one piece that gets you a, a tier one asset coming back. But I'd call Jeff McNeil a, a fringe tier two asset. And that's what I want to explain a little bit more in the next segment here. My tier system, because I'd have put tiers that all these guys fall into and how that relates to the trade market. So we'll get to that and some other players on the MLB roster next. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 
if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The NFL season in full swing. Now the NBA season has tipped off. So every single night, there's something that you can put a little bit of action on. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including the spread, player props, over-unders, and more. If you're tuning in on a Thursday night, you want to watch some Thursday night football, you can bet the spread, the over-under. You can bet on who's going to score the first touchdown. There's a lot that you can play. Or, of course, you got the NBA season. You want to bet on points, rebounds, assists. You want to parlay a couple of guys' stats together uh, on your favorite team, plus your team winning the game. You could have a great night if your favorite basketball team goes off for you. So if you want to play, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. If you have any questions about my trade tiers that we're about to get into, feel free to reach out to me as a Locked On Mets insider via subtext. This is a really exciting new plan we have going on. It's been a lot of fun to get to know some of you Locked On Mets insiders that have already subscribed. Basically, it's a one-on-one texting service. You can text me questions, comments, whenever you like, and I can respond back. You also get the text message updates that I send to all of the Locked On Mets insiders, whether there's a rumor that's out there, a news item to discuss, or if I'm just prepping for the following day's show and I have some interesting stat I want to share, it's been a lot of fun to get to know some of you better through subtext. So again, find that link in the episode description or go to subtext.com slash locked on Mets. Now I just called Jeff McNeil a tier two trade asset. What does that mean? I created a tier system for this. I thought, am I going to do grades? But then do you get into A? B minus, C plus, all that stuff. Instead, I I went with tiers. So it's a five-tier system. Tier five is negative assets, okay? Assets like Starling Marte, tier five. You're probably not going to trade a tier five player. Tier four is barely positive assets, right? Tradable players that are throw-ins, but you're not getting much for them. The perfect example of a tier four trade is Matt Harvey for Devin Mezorosko years ago. Harvey looked awful off of, of all of those injuries. Devin Mezorosko was just a catcher with a little bit of pop who didn't have much left in the tank. You swapped him. That's a tier four trade. Tier three. These are players that aren't going to necessarily get you the tier one, but you can get another team's tier three at a different position of need if there's something like that where you trade from a surplus for another team's surplus, or they can start to move the needle for a tier one. If you threw multiple tier three players in there, maybe you combine them with a tier one or a tier two asset and you can get towards that tier one type talent. So that's the the general basis of my tier system. And as we go through it, uh, it'll make more sense. Tier two are, are real trade value pieces that start conversations. So Jeff McNeil for the right team that's trying to contend that looks at his contract as a really valuable asset because he's going to be an above average starter for you for you know the next three years under an affordable number who can play multiple positions, plug multiple holes. That makes him a tier two trade asset. Other teams would really be intrigued to acquire Jeff McNeil. It had to be the right team. There's some teams that wouldn't be interested, but I bet you there's a few out there that would really love a chance. And, and the reason why you trade Jeff McNeil since I didn't completely uh, land this plan in the last segment, 
the reason why you would trade him, I, I don't think it's necessarily something that I would advise, but if there actually is a clubhouse issue, so to speak, if there is, you know, a, a vibe that needs to be changed in that clubhouse, if there's one guy to extract from the mix, it's so funny that people, uh, you know, on, on sports talk radio in New York are looking at Pete Alonso as the guy to pull from the equation. The guy that makes more sense would be Jeff McNeil. He's not under a contract like Nimmo or Lindor that has him on your team for the better part of the next decade. He's not coming off a season as good as those guys either, where you really want to keep them at premier positions. He's a guy that plugs so many holes for your roster that I think he's more valuable to keep, but also that gives him some value on the market. And if you're trying to just change things, it, it I would not be completely stunned if it happened. I'd certainly be surprised, but if Jeff McNeil's moved this offseason, I'd be like, okay, I can follow that line of thinking. Now let's look at the rest of the players on this MLB roster. We'll get to the, the trade throw-ins. These are guys that aren't tier five. They're not negative trade assets, but they don't have a lot of value. I spoke about a couple of them earlier this week, Louis Guillaume, DJ Stewart, guys that could be non-tendered. If they are tendered and you're in a trade discussion as a throw-in, there's a little bit of value there. And I say the same thing with Tyler McGill, uh, Jose Budo, and Joey Lucchese. McGill and Boodle are a little bit closer to a tier three. Uh, they haven't done enough where I think teams are going to be you know, really enamored by the possibility. But as part of a bigger package, you throw in starting pitchers with control and teams are going to be, be open to it, I, I would say. And it would move the needle slightly. Now we go to high upside, bad season. Guys that still have a ceiling that is going to intrigue teams but are coming off a year that really damage their trade value. We start with David Peterson. So Peterson is somewhere between a tier four and a tier three for the right team. He's a tier three asset. He's a guy that they might look at as a reclamation project that they would love to get their hands on because his pitch data, despite the fact that he had horrible numbers for a large part of the part of this season, he still has a really good slider and teams are going to see that and think we can be the one that fixes him. And that makes him a tier three in some respects. Mark Vientos, another tier three right now. Now, for the right team, maybe viewed as a tier two. For the right team that sees his bat potential, sees the, the way that he can really get into baseballs and drive them with high exit velocities, they might love Mark Vientos. But if Mark Vientos was really a tier two asset, I think he probably would have been traded over the last 48, uh, 48, geez. I was thinking of two days. The last 48 hours, no. Last two years, last 24 months, like, there might have been a trade at some point during the, the 2021 deadline. Uh, you know, if they could have traded Mark Vientos instead of Pete Crow Armstrong for Javi Baez, for example, they would have done that, but they couldn't. Um, you know, 2022 deadline, 2022 offseason. If he had more trade value, I think he probably would have been sent out because of, of him being an ill-fitting piece on this roster. So I think he's more tier three. Brett Beatty, the last guy that falls under this high upside off a of bad season. I still think he's tier two. I, I do. Um, he was a tier one trade asset going into last year. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there was, I think for just baseball, we had him fringe top 10. Maybe he was in our top 20 for our top 100 prospects. And he was a consensus top 100 prospect. That moves the needle. That really does. Okay. For example, Luis and Helicuna was a tier one trade asset as a consensus top 100 prospect that netted you a tier one asset when you had all of the money that was tied into it and Max Scherzer. Like that was a trade where one for one, 
high upside, high upside, those guys were dealt. So Brett Beatty could have been in those conversations before this season, but he played so bad, he sort of played himself out of that top tier. There's still some teams that will look past it and would love Brett Beatty. But I think, you know, for the Mets, they're better off holding on to him uh, and seeing what he has next season. Because I think, if nothing else, he'll improve that trade value. But really, I still believe at this moment in time, I know there's a lot of Mets fans that don't, I still think he's the third baseman of the future. So going through all those guys, most likely to be moved from that list, I think you're looking at, you know, Peterson, McGill, Budo, guys that might have some value um, in, in a larger trade. Vientos, definitely. Um, and then, you know, like I said, throughout the McNeil, the Beatty, I think those guys, there is a chance, but I'd still be fairly surprised that they were dealt. The prospects is where this conversation really gets even more interesting because those are always the pieces that a team that's trying to contend, and I still think the Mets fit that category, those are the pieces they're going to want to deal. But there are some prospects that you are holding on to with both hands and you consider untouchable. So we'll get to some of those guys next. First, though, another word from our sponsors. For everyone that is watching on YouTube, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. We're trying to make a push to get to 10,000 subs we just crossed over 7,000 this week, so I appreciate all of you who hit that subscribe. Now, this is where it gets really fun. We're going to look at the Mets farm system and the prominent names and who has the most trade value. We're going to begin with the untouchable tier ones in this system. To me, there's two that are untouchable right now. There's other guys that I don't want to see the Mets move, but I'd be open to when, I don't know, there's a generational talent uh, who maybe plays for the Padres, Juan, was it Juan, Juan Soto? Yeah, I'd be open to it. So really, this is where the conversation starts to get framed in that direction. And tomorrow's show, uh, assuming there's no news that, that gets in the way of it, we're going to be doing another Juan Soto trade episode. I want to compare him to Bryce Harper. I think I did this actually. Now that I'm, I'm literally remembering back. I did this at the deadline um, and in 2022. But it bears repeating because the Mets can't miss this opportunity. So we'll get to that on tomorrow's show. Looking at the pieces that could be moved, the two that I'm not sending out is Jet Williams and Drew Gilbert. Those are the two untouchables in the Mets system right now for me. If I re-rank the top 10, that's my one and two. I'm not quite sure the order at this time. I'd really have to think about it. Drew Gilbert, you know, he's their best outfield prospect. You can't move him right now. He's too valuable for a team that, really has a lot of question marks long-term in the outfield. So Drew Gilbert, to me, you got to hang on to him. He's also potentially going to be at the big league level this upcoming season if he can have a good start to the 2024 campaign. Another guy who theoretically could do that is Jet Williams, though. Now, Williams, it's less likely because he doesn't have nearly as much playing time in AA. He'll be 20 next year. They can play it a little bit slower on him, but he also might just force their hand because he was giving, you know, the best at bats in the system by the end of the year. He was just unbelievable. And if I'm not mistaken, he was their player of the year as well. I'm not trading Jet Williams if I'm David Stearns. I'm hanging on to him and I'm looking at him as the second baseman of the future. So that gets me to the tradable tier one assets the Mets have. Luis and Helicuna and Ryan Clifford are the two that I put in that top tier. 
guys that could open the doors to trade for any player in baseball and guys that actually would move. I wouldn't move both of them for Juan Soto on a one-year deal, but I'd move one of the two. And I think Luis Angel Acuna would really excite the Padres, a guy that they could conceivably, as a team that rushes a lot of their prospects, plug into the lineup as soon as next season and you know, go. He could be their center fielder potentially if they wanted to go that route with you know a laundry list of shortstops already on the roster with Hayson Kim and uh, Xander Bogarts. And if you wanted to call Machado a shortstop, you could, but he's obviously just playing third for them. But of course, Fernando Tatis Jr. could always slide back and into that shortstop position as well. Acuna has the athleticism to go play center field. I think they'd like him. So uh, he, he's a, a piece that I think is not necessarily one that I'd be floating by any stretch. But if you have to give to get, I'd prefer them as to trade Acuna, who just got into the system, than Jet Williams, who they drafted, who's younger, who I think has more upside at this point. So th- that's where I'm at between Williams and Acuna. Ryan Clifford, look, he hit a ton of home runs this year. Uh, I, you know, when they made the trade originally, I was more excited, the Verlander trade that is, I was more excited about the power potential of Clifford than I was uh, over Gilbert as my gut reaction to it. Gilbert was clearly the better prospect. But the upside on Clifford had me tantalized. Then he struggled after the trade. Not that that kills his prospect value by any stretch, but it, it gave me some pause. And then Gilbert was amazing in double A, and that really sort of solidified the difference there. With Clifford, there's still a level of unknown where I'd be willing to trade him because he does strike out a lot and he doesn't have a clear position yet. But he also has the type of power that other teams would, you know, be really excited about. So those are the two tradable tier one prospects. Now we get to the list of tier two and the two that I call nearly untouchable out of the tier two. And it's because of the lack of pitching this farm system has developed. They're getting a lot better lately, but still when's the last time they developed a really good starting pitcher. You have to go back to the whole Zach Wheeler, Jacob deGrom, Steven Matz, Matt Harvey, that whole era, Noah Syndergaard, they haven't had a great one since. You know, David Peterson has moments, but I mean, where is he right now? So nearly untouchable tier twos, Blade Tidwell, Christian Scott, and that's because of their frontline stuff. I think that those are the two guys they have right now. If they were to have a you know top of the line starting pitcher waiting in the wings, it's one of those guys. So I would not trade him this offseason. Now we get to the tradable tier two, Kevin Parada, Ronnie Mauricio, Colin Houck, Marco Vargas, Mike Vassell, and I threw Brandon uh, Sprout in there as well. Brandon Sprout, they just drafted high octane arm. We, we don't really know yet on him. And Colin Houck is the same thing. They just drafted him, which is why I'd also be open to trading them. I mean, obviously you, you value your scouting. And if you love these guys, and I, I'd honestly be, Pretty apprehensive to trade Hauk, but if again you're on the phone with with Preller on Soto and that's the the deal breaker, he wants Hauk, not Acuna. Well, you hang on to Acuna if you throw Hauk in the deal. Um, but again, I don't think Hauk would be traded. I don't think that Sprout would be traded uh, either. Now, Marco Vargas, they just got the David Robertson deal. I don't know how much teams love him, but if there's a team out there that loves him, that makes him tradable. I, I can see it. Mike Vassell is in AAA. I think he's going to be a starting pitcher in the big leagues, but I do wonder 
what that ceiling is. Is the ceiling a number three, number four, middle of the rotation, back of the rotation arm? That's still extremely valuable. And that's what other teams would want to trade for him. But I don't think that that makes it untradeable by any stretch, even with the lack of pitching that has been developed and gotten up to the big leads that I described uh, before there. Mauricio and Parada. Those guys I'm curious about. Kevin Parada, because you have Francisco Alvarez, it makes him more expendable. Uh, there's still questions about if he can catch at the big league level. He's currently in the Arizona Fall League right now. If he makes a name for himself there, yeah, I could see that as a piece that has moved and that would have a lot of value. I don't think he's quite tier one uh, because of the season he just had. But, hey, if he starts off great next year, he could really improve that trade value. And Ronnie Mauricio, while he looked good in flashes, look at his complete numbers last year with the Mets. They weren't as great as people remember them to be, who just saw those stolen bases and the big exit velocities. There's still a lot of question marks with Ronnie Mauricio. I still think he's one of the players that they would absolutely deal. And I think he would move the needle a little bit as a tier two asset. Tier three, Alex Ramirez. I don't even know if he's there at this point. He was so bad this season. It'd be very hard to trade him. Had to be a team that loved him before this past year. Uh, Dominic Campbell, it feels bad to actually include him in the same tier as Alex Ramirez, honestly. I feel like Ramirez should probably be tier four if I'm you know, looking back on my notes here. But Dominic Camel, Tyler Stewart, Joander Suarez, Justin Jarvis, Coleman Crow, all those guys are pitchers. Um, you know, we saw like the typical tier three trade. Here's a great example. Justin Jarvis traded for Mark Hanna this year. That's tier three. Okay. A, a prospect that is decent, but not incredible that the Mets got. And Mark Hanna, a rental bat who could help you. I mean, he actually has that club option. We're waiting to see if the Brewers pick it up, but you get the the picture I'm trying to paint here. Those are all arms that in the right deal, I'd be fine with the Mets moving. I think they're probably going to try to hang on to all the arms they can at this point, but they do bear mentioning as prominent pitchers who have made their way up to double A. Jeremiah Jackson needs to be protected uh, on the 40 man roster, which you know could also make him a little more expendable. Uh, as far as trading him this offseason, if you didn't feel like he's going to contribute to the Mets in the next two years, which I think he's close enough that he probably could, but maybe you don't want to waste a roster spot on him. Maybe you add him and then trade him later this offseason and clear that spot back up when you make later signings. Uh, I like him a lot, though. I'd rather see the Mets hang on to him. Now, to close here, most likely to be moved in a star trade, which will lead into tomorrow's show, where I will put together a package on Juan Soto again, um, a more aggressive package, might I add, because I think there's going to be a market that's going to develop for Juan Soto with teams like the Yankees and the Cubs all circling. And with that, you might have to throw a, a more uh, lucrative package together than you would have liked for a player on, on a one-year deal at this point who's a rental, but it's about getting him in and then trying to extend him. That's the whole purpose of it. So here are the most likely to be moved in a star trade Luis and Helicuna, Ryan Clifford, Tier 1. Tier 2, Kevin Parada, Ronnie Mauricio, Mike Vassell. Tier 3, Mark Vientos is the most likely. And pick any one of these other arms. But those are the most likely to be moved in a star trade this offseason, in my opinion. Thank you all for tuning into the show today. I hope you appreciated uh, the tier system that I came up with uh, for this. If you have any questions about it, uh, you can feel free to comment if you're watching on YouTube or become a Locked On Mets insider. 
You can find the link in the description or go to subtext.com slash locked on Mets. You can also follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked on Mets. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, follow wherever you get your podcasts, and tune in tomorrow for a little more Juan Soto talk.